0: ephesians as paul writes this letter to the church of ephesus he does something that i just kind of want to highlight and just encourage us to consider doing when we communicate with one another and that is, even though he's teaching and he's instructing and he's giving insights into who Christ is and how to live the Christian life, and in this second half of the book that we enter into this week, he begins to be very specific about things we can be doing. Up until now, he's been basically explaining, this is who Christ is. These are the things that he does. These are the things that are potentially possible because of Jesus and what he does. And now he'll basically focus on what he does, now he'll basically start addressing that church us today in this time period these are things you can do and one of the really cool things he does in this last half of chapter three is he includes a prayer for the church, he's already done this once. We've already looked at that earlier in chapter one. He'll do it again before we're done in Ephesians, um, and Paul does it in other books of the Bible. He just, in the midst of what he's saying, what he's communicating, he stops and says, "This is what I'm praying," and, and it's a beautiful picture and image and encouragement to the recipients. In this case, us as well as the church at Ephesus, to hear how someone prays for us and I just want to challenge us it's always it's been a real encouragement to me I've had people do it to me over the years in cards or in letters or if they're doing an inscription into a book just communicate to someone drop a note to someone and say this is what I'm praying let them let them know um, Baptists, we're kind of stubborn sometimes in our past and in our history. Um, and, uh, and so we kind of get caught up on some things sometimes. And one of those has historically been um, we don't really write out prayers. Well, the, the problem is then only God gets to hear them. And sometimes other people ought to hear them. And so it's just a blessing. You're, you're going to write your children. You're going to write your grandchildren. You're going to write a good friend, even in an email. Just stop and say, this is what I'm praying. This is, this is what I'm praying. I have a couple pastor friends. We communicate to one another pretty regularly, a lot of times on Sunday mornings, and a lot of times we'll do that with one another. We'll just say, Hey, this is what I'm praying for. I'm praying today. It was, but you know, I'm just praying that God speaks through us and God lets his word be understood through us by his power, because What we do as Christians is so much more than just a decision that you make or an activity that you participate in. It is so dependent on the grace of God. It's so dependent on the power of God being lived out in our lives. And especially if we're talking about experiencing the love of God in the context of community, the love we have for one another. So that's, I just encourage you, that's a, that's a side note, you can just take it, it's free, do with it what you want. Um, but I, I, just, I personally find it helpful sometimes just to hear how somebody else prays. I mean, I'll just be honest one one more thing that none of this was a part of it you're getting all this for free which not really because if I run out of time then that means you're paying for it with your lunch hour and so um, but one of the things I've done over the years that has been really helpful is there are collections of some of the great pastors and speakers and preachers of, of history um, where they collected their prayers because they often wrote them out and it just as a part of devotion sometimes it's just really helpful to, to read, to, to look at those and study those and, and hear them and just let. So here's the prayer of the apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter three, verse 14. He expresses that. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the father from whom every family in heaven and earth is named. I pray that He may grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through His Spirit. And that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And and then he says, I pray to you uh, that you will be, Uh, let me start that whole sentence over. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints. What is the length and width and height and depth of God's love? And to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever Amen. Now I'm going to just tell you honestly. When I say write to your friends or write to your family, and sometimes include your prayer, it, it needs to be your prayer. It needs to be my prayer. I don't talk like that, and so I don't I don't pray like that. I I I um I work at it, and I'm and I'm continuing to work at it to have the kind of depth the apostle Paul has, and it's a goal in my life. But that's not the way I pray. You read some of the great prayers of Charles Spurgeon or Peter Marshall, they can guarantee you most of us don't talk like that. But it still nourishes our soul. But there's something so important about the personal aspect of prayer, that hearing your words, because I, I, at least I feel this way many times, you think about doing something like this and you look at a prayer like this and you suddenly feel very Disqualified. <laughs> but you're not. God listens to every single prayer any one of us ever pray. He he wants to know our heart. He wants to communicate with us and Paul expresses that personal nature of this because it is a familial love. It is, it is the love of family. In verse 14, actually one of my favorite verses out of this prayer, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Right up front, Paul says, we're related, we're connected. We are, as this series has been titled, in this together. We, we have the opportunity to live out our faith, to serve in our faith, to, to explore and understand in a deeper fashion our faith, and we do it within the context of family. And I still think even in this generation, a lot of terms and a lot of metaphors change over time because generations change and we understand that and we know that. But I still think in this generation where there is so much confusion because we've deviated from God's definition of family that sometimes family may not feel appropriate because family may not have warm feelings. It may not have a sense of connection. But the overall context of what God describes as family is a place of absolute safety. It's a a place of full and complete comprehension and understanding, not only of the things of God, but of who we are. Part of what we do when we come together to worship is discover who God is, but in the process of discovering God, discover who we are, who I am how I live in Christ, how I shed the parts of me that I don't want anymore because I gave those things up to know Christ and to know Christ exclusively. It's it's family. It's in the context of a living community. And Paul acknowledges that. He bows down to pray. In this case, he says, literally, he's kneeling. You will find Every posture you can imagine for prayer in the scriptures. So there's not any one designation, not any one type Any the reality is God is in this regard much like a father much like a parent who cares so much He doesn't really care how you perform it. He just wants you to be a part of it. He loves us that much He just wants to hear us He just wants to hear our voice And we have that opportunity, even when we're together, when we pray on platform, when we pray in small groups, when we played, prayed this morning in our Bible study classes, we have that opportunity to share it. It's, it's a family of love. We care about one another. It's, it's love and it's prayer that strengthens us. I pray that he may grant you in verse 16, according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. All of that is Paul simply saying, I'm praying that you'll be strong this week. I'm praying that God's love working in and through you. I'm praying that the congregational, the family love working in and through us will make us strong because the reality is we need that assistance. We we need that help. This this life is difficult. And this life is filled full of of just difficult terrain to traverse and to and to cross and to and we we need one another's help. We we need one another. I was at a service yesterday morning. And a lady, older lady was there. She arrived for the service and getting out of the vehicle. Many of us have experienced this. You don't have to be older to experience this. It can happen to anyone getting out of the vehicle. She lost her footing. She fell. She was injured, but the majority of the injury was emotional. She was there for her sister-in-law who had passed away and just the, the difficulty of falling and suddenly being the, uh, the center of attention and an environment where she wasn't supposed to be the center of attention embarrassed her. But at the same time, everybody flocked to her. Everybody was immediately there. People left the building to help her get up off, off the pavement. People helped her walked in to make sure she was secure. People began going to their cars and pulling out first aid kits to see if they could find the right band-aid necessary to help her stop bleeding. People were talking to her friends, many from our own church came to her and said, Hey, this happens all the time. I understand this. I do this all the time in my pastoral compassionate way. One of our ladies walked up to her and said, Hey, I work here and I fall all the time. And I said, pastorally speaking, well, that should comfort you. She has workman's comp, you'll have to sue the funeral home. <laughs> she smiled for a moment, but the picture of people gathering around somebody, not significantly injured, not crippling injured, not, not something that was going to require significant medical intervention, but you just needed the intervention of knowing people care in my weak moments, knowing that stronger people around is significant. And, and that's what Paul's describing and Paul's describing a reality that is always there in the moment of injury, but sometimes not as visible. And that is Christ is there. He's not just simply praying that you would be strengthened, that I would be strengthened, that the church of Ephesus would be strengthened, that his friends in Ephesus would be strengthened. He's praying that we would be strengthened by divine supernatural power as God's spirit works in and flows through us. And the presence of Christ is in our life. Jesus is in those moments. And he can and will strengthen us. He wants to. He told the disciples, I've got to return to heaven. I have got to go back to the throne. I have to reposition in my place of authority. And I'm going to do that and you're going to see the results of that and on Easter Sunday morning we saw the results of that. We saw Jesus defeat death, defeat Satan, defeat sin, defeat all the griefs and worries and woes and difficulties of this world. And we saw him 40 days later ascend into and return to heaven. But Jesus said maybe one of the most beautiful statements anyone could ever say. He looked at his disciples and said, but I don't want to leave you alone so i'm going to send my spirit which is a part of the overall total personality of god it's difficult to grasp sometimes but the reality is jesus said i don't want you to be alone and sent his spirit when we become a christian the presence of god dwells in us It is his spirit working in, as Paul describes it here in verse 16, our inner being. It is Christ living in us, through us, because sometimes we need his strength. Because it's maybe embarrassing, honestly, but not that surprising and not all that much of a statement of our inadequacy to realize sometimes we're just not strong enough. We just don't have the full strength we need. And Jesus knew that so He didn't leave us here alone. He didn't say, this is what I want you to do. You, you go report back to me. Now he said, I'm going to give you all of my authority and you go with my authority. And guess what? I will just go ahead and travel with you. I will be with you in every set of circumstances and difficulties, family strengthening. And then Paul describes what is a significant part of who we are as a church, that we're, that we're grounded. There's an establishment about who we are in our faith. In the latter part of verse 17, when he says, I am praying that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love. If the Spirit's working through us, it's because He lives in us. It's because we have taken a step of faith and said, I'm going to trust Jesus to be a part of my life. We make that decision. God gives us an invitation to invite him in and to allow him to be a part of our lives. We make a decision in faith, whether we fully comprehend it or not. I would go as far as to say most people, when they trust Jesus, don't fully comprehend everything related to that. And just like me, wanting to spend a lifetime being better at articulating the word of God and God's word working in me. I spend my whole life trying to understand Jesus better, to better comprehend a decision I made years ago because it's active. It started with that decision, but it continues every day, every moment. I am glad some of you guys graduated, but we don't graduate in Christianity. We just keep understanding. Even in heaven, we have the opportunity to still serve and to labor and to grow. Even in the perfection of the full transformation that comes in eternity. We don't want to stop growing. We don't want to plateau off at some point. We want to keep that happening in us. And, and that working in us is because God is establishing in us his love and our love for one another so that we are grounded. I, I love that phrase that he's praying that we would be rooted and firmly established in love. It is, it seems, this seems so critical. This is such a burden to me in this period of history. Because so few of us know who we are. And we have, in error, made the decision to exalt confusion and questioning over reality. So today, if you're cool, you're questioning who you are. Let me tell you, in the dark of the night, when you're lonely and you're isolated and you can't, you're not sure which direction to go or how to make a turn. If you've spent your life exalting questioning and indecision and confusion, it's going to be very lonely. I don't ever spend a night completely confused because Christ has told me who I am. And I chose in faith to make the decision to listen to him. Listen to him, and the message from him is real clear. I am real clear. I am loved. I am cared for beyond my comprehension. The reality is God loves me more than I'm capable of loving and accepting myself. In every circumstance, even in my worst sin, even in my worst complete degradation, in my worst rebellion against God, he still loves me, still wants to draw me in. I know who I am. I am absolutely unconditionally loved by the grace of God. And there is no confusion about that. And there is no reason to question it. I know that I was specifically and uniquely designed by God. Unlike every other creation that any one of us ever comes up with, there is no mistake and there is no flaw. Every artist, the greatest artist, I love Rembrandt. I don't own one yet. I'm with, I, th- I thought the church might do that for an anniversary someday. But he made mistakes. I You name anybody, you name any manufacturer, I mean, how, how many of us have been so excited about the purchase of a new car only within a few hours to find a flaw or a mistake, nothing that has been created since we were created by God has ever been perfectly and absolutely uniquely designed without flaw. But I was now. Just, just so everybody's real clear on this, and everybody on the internet listening to this, I have flaws, but I wasn't designed with flaws. Those flaws are my doing. Any flaw I have, I created. The original design that God had for me is what David called fearfully and wonderfully made to the praise and the worship of God of God in Psalms 139. God didn't make a mistake. I am not a mistake. You are not a mistake. Our friends are mistakes and somebody please tell the children of this generation you are not a mistake. Holy almighty majestic God designed you perfectly stop listening to the voices from hell that want to tell you you need to question or decide or reject God's perfect creation. It is absolutely insane to look in the face of Almighty God and say, you were wrong. And this peer group is correct. No, we are grounded. We are firmly established in God's love. Yield our hearts so that faith lives in us and Christ lives in us through that faith. And we know who we are in Jesus. And it's an unfathomable love. It is beyond comprehension. I pray to you, he says in verse 18, may we be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width. What is the height and depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. If you're grounded and established, if you understand the basic principle I just shared with you about who we are, then that opens our lives for the fullness of God, for the completion of the work of God, for the full absorption of his love and work in our life. And you can't comprehend it because it's from God. God needs to be so supernatural that we can't contain him we can't box him, we can't manufacture him. That's what false teaching is all about. False teaching is all about having controllable, designable, manufacturable. Is that a word, manufacturable? I don't know. Gods we create. Our God, we didn't create him. We can't replicate him, we can't duplicate him, we can't mass manufacture him, but the beauty of it is we don't have to because he has the infinite ability to love each one of us individually so specifically that I don't need somebody else's version. I just trust him and let him work in me. And so Paul prays that they would be able to comprehend. We all want to understand. There's nothing wrong with that. And he says that with all the saints, the extent of God's love, who has ever measured so far in width that they have the whole love of God understood and explained who has ever measured so far in distance that they have the full comprehension of the character of God and his depth of love for us or the height or the depth. It is okay that we don't understand God's love. It's okay that we can't fully comprehend it. It's okay if we can't sometimes, and we struggle sometimes to even explain it because that's how powerful. That's how big. That's how majestic He is. And now, because Christ's love is working in us, and Christ's love and his gift of the, his sacrifice on the cross, his forgiveness through his death, his power through his resurrection, because all of that is available now, the fullness, the completeness of God lives in us. And it's a limitless love. It's hard to comprehend, but part of the reason it's comprehended is there are no limits now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church, in that family. As if started praying way back in verse 14, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus and through Christ Jesus for all generations, forever and ever. It's beyond what I can think. It's beyond what I can ask. It's, it's beyond what I can comprehend because there is no limit to it. Which is why I have confidence in the midst of so much confusion in this generation. Because God has been dealing with generations since the very first day he knelt down, scooped up some dust and dirt and mud and begin to shape mankind. Since the very next day when God looked at that and said, Hey, you know what? This may be the one flaw in creation. It's not good for man to be alone. So let me let man sleep and let me take out of man a portion of what I created yesterday. And with that, let me make a woman so that the two together can be complete. Let me do it so I can live with them and be with them and know them and and share with them. Let me do it because I care and I love that deeply and that significantly. And my power will be able to work through them. Since that first generation to the generation that's going to come, God has been working on our behalf. So let's don't limit him. How many times, those of us who are a little more veteran as Christians, have we prayed, have we anticipated something, only to have God so far surpass whatever our thoughts were? We've got a lot going on as a church right now, and it's really exciting, and it is sometimes honestly pretty challenging. But we pray. The people of this church, the people of this family, we pray to live in God's love and to experience God's love and to share God's love. And in doing so, we see regularly God do things we couldn't come up with ourselves. And that's not gonna stop. God is not limited because he is being refused in every part of society and culture. Because there's people just like you and there's people just like me that are willing to say, You know what? I'm going to have faith. I'm going to trust Jesus to be bigger than this. Whatever this is in your life or my life, He is able to do above and beyond all that we ask, all that we think, according to the power that works in us. To Him be glory in the church, in our family his family may he be glorified